Welcome to the New Hope Podcast. Our mission at New Hope is to engage our city with the love of Jesus, one relationship at a time. We pray this message encourages you in encountering God's love and displaying it to your city. We hope to see you soon. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 20. Once again, we are grateful that you are worshiping with us. And if you've been following us just in the last few weeks, or if you've been with New Hope for all year long, you know that we've been going through a series that we're just simply calling the story of Scripture. However, today we're taking a break from that because I just felt as just in my time over the last couple of weeks, in my own personal time of studying with the Lord, I came across a passage of Scripture that, that the Lord really used to speak to me and to challenge me. And just as your pastor, I want to challenge you with God's Word this morning. And so we're taking a break in our one-year uh, reading sermon series. However, please do not take a break in the reading. Great opportunity now every single day to read God's Word. And so follow along with us. Jump right back into us in the one-year reading. Um, if you are new and you want to jump on in the one-year reading, we want to encourage you to go to our website right now. And then if you go to resources and then click on the story of Scripture, there is a PDF on that page of our reading plan. You can download it and follow along with us there. But if you have your Bibles, we're in John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19. I'm going to read it, and then we'll jump into God's Word this afternoon. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Tonight, we just want to look at three basic truths that are just going to walk us through this passage. First, we're going to look at how do we see fear in this passage? Where does peace come in this passage? And then lastly, what is the result of peace as we look at mission? Fear, peace, and mission. Beginning with fear first. You know, as I think about preaching, one of the things that I try to do as I make points is you want to make a point clearly you want to show and explain that truth in the text. How do we see that point in the text? And then a good uh, preaching professor would tell you that you need to illustrate that point. Help people see and understand the point. So this week as I'm looking at this passage and I'm thinking about fear, the truth is, is I don't need an illustration for you today to think about fear. Fear is something that is, for all of us, is at our doorstep literally at our doorstep. And as we think about fear because of the pandemic around us, fear is something that is natural. Fear is not something I need to illustrate. But fear is a reality in our lives. And in this passage and in other passages, we see Jesus encourage us. For example, Matthew chapter 6, do not be anxious or fearful about anything. And he encourages us in that passage to seek the kingdom and to trust him above all. And so as we think about fear, we see the disciples here, they are overcome with fear. As a matter of fact, it seems as though they are paralyzed with fear. Now, you, as we read this passage, I want to read verse 19 again. It says this, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week. Now, what is this? This is the evening of Easter Sunday. This is the evening where Jesus was resurrected. Later that evening, it says, the doors were locked and the disciples, because of fear of the Jews, were behind locked doors. Now, 
very different circumstances to why they were in isolation and why we are in isolation. And so I don't want us to take too much of the connection here because yes, although we are in isolation and yes, we are in isolation and we might be fearful. However, different than the text, we are not necessarily in isolation because of fear. We're actually in isolation with intentionality for the love of our neighbor and for the love of those around us. And so you may be in isolation right now, good, um, but that does not necessarily mean that you are in fear. And so I want us to be careful. That is not what I'm saying. That is what is happening in the text, that precisely because of their fear, they were in isolation. They were paralyzed from engaging in on the mission of God. Now, even though you and I are in physical isolation for good reasons, for the health and the betterment of our city and our community and for our neighbor. However, many of us are in a inward isolation due to fear. And in this place, and if that is true, then this text directly speaks to you. I can speak for myself. I have found myself many a times fighting the internal isolation of fear, the fear that paralyzes me from mission, the fear that paralyzes me from being able to focus on what matters. There's a lot of definitions we can come up with for anxiety or fear, but I like this definition by Pastor David Platt. He says this, anxiety or fear is carrying concerns in this world in such a way that we lose perspective on life and or lack trust in God. Paul, for example, the writer of the New Testament and one of the great church planners and preachers, he would talk about a good type of anxiety where he was anxious for the church, where he was anxious for the things of God. So we can't just say that in general, anxiousness and fear is always bad. Because we see Scripture tell us to fear God and to honor Him. We see the Scripture tell us to be anxious about the things of the kingdom. So anxiousness and fear in and of themselves are not necessarily bad. So let's define it in a way. And I want to read this definition again, and I want us to see what it's saying. Anxiety or fear is carrying concerns in this world in such a way that causes us to lose perspective on life and or lack trust in God. This is exactly what's happening with the disciples. We see that their Messiah, their leader, died, was resurrected, and even because of the events that had taken place, even though Christ was resurrected, and they had heard from Mary Magdalene just in the verses prior to this that we didn't read, that Christ was alive, even though victory had come, Due to the fear that loomed outside of them, they allowed that fear to paralyze them. They lost perspective on life and trust in God. Fear paralyzed them. The application for you is for you just simply just take a moment and ask honest self-awareness questions. Am I paralyzed in fear? Now, notice I didn't say am I isolated because of fear because all of us are in isolation whether we're fearful or not for good reasons. But look into your hearts. Look into your inner part and go, hey, am I isolated inwardly? Am I paralyzed inwardly because of the fear of the pandemic outside? And if that is true, would you just be honest enough? I know I fight that at times. And might you hear what happens next? And so as we go from fear to peace, let us see what Jesus does. Jesus enters the room, miraculously enters the room into a group of people who are 
paralyzed by fear. And Jesus, verse 5, John 20, verse 5, Jesus came and he stood, stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. What is peace? It's a great question. We just took time to try to define anxiety and fear briefly. What do we think about when we say peace? Is peace an emotion? Is peace this feeling that says there are no problems in this world? The best picture I can give of, and I think about peace, is I think of uh, Mark chapter 4 and 5. We see a, a series of stories where Jesus speaks peace. In the first story, we see Jesus is on a boat and he's with his disciples and we see a storm. The sea around them is is literally raging and and the disciples are panicking with fear and they're trying to fix the problem and they're going all over the place trying to make this happen and Jesus is just at peace. And they go and get Jesus and says, do you not care what is going on? Do you not care the storm that is going on around us? And then Jesus speaks peace to the storm in that moment. But how do we see a picture of peace there? Because that picture of peace tells us that peace is not the absence of storm, but peace is how we are amidst the storm. And the truth is that apart from Christ, apart from Jesus speaking peace into our lives, that we're nothing, we're no different than disciples on the boat amidst the storm. We have no way to respond honestly other than to be stricken by fear and paranoia amidst a pandemic and the storm around us. But the truth of the gospel is, as Jesus steps into the room and Jesus speaks, peace be with you. But notice what he does. He points to his hands. He points to his side. What what is he doing in that moment? Two things overall he's doing in that moment. One, he's just showing them that he really is Jesus. That, that I'm not just some other person. I'm not just a, even an angel, but I am the person of Jesus. I am God in person, Jesus, right here in this room. See, here's proof. But also when he points to his hands and his side and then is showing himself alive, he is pointing to victory right in front of them. Not only is he saying, I'm Jesus, God in person, but I'm Jesus, God in person, who has brought victory over your storm. Therefore, you do not have to be afraid, but you can have peace amidst your storm. Therefore, peace be with you. When we go and study what happens weeks later, and the book of Acts tells us what happens later, we see that the outside storm doesn't disappear. We see specifically in Acts 3 and 4, we see the disciples engage. They're now overcome with the power of the Holy Spirit. They now have a peace. And then they go out on mission and they engage. And guess what? The same people that they were afraid of in this passage, those people are still imprisoning them. And those same people would go and eventually persecute. And we would see the first Christian martyr just a few chapters into Acts. And so the point is, is that the storm did not go away. But what changed is that these men, these leaders who are paralyzed by fear, Jesus shows up into the room. He shows himself to be God to them. He shows himself to be the victorious God over their fears, and therefore, peace can be with them. So as we think about defining peace and thinking about peace, I just want us to see this, 
that peace is not just a feeling. Peace is not just an emotion. Peace is not just words. But we see from this text that peace is a person's. The peace comes in and is the person of Jesus. Specifically, we see in the passage right before this that we didn't read earlier in chapter 20, Mary Magdalene came to them and said, Jesus is alive. You can have peace. No need to be afraid. But guess what? They were still afraid. See, the testimony wasn't enough. But the person showing up in their living room, showing up in their life, revealing himself to them was what brought peace. Point is, is that the person of Jesus is the one and the only one who can bring the peace that surpasses understanding, according to Philippians, into your life. So wherever you are, whatever room you're in, whatever room you're locked behind, the door you're locked behind, both literally, hopefully in isolation, but also maybe in your heart. Maybe you are locked behind a door of fear. Might Jesus, you see that the word of God is coming and that Jesus is speaking that in Christ, he is the victorious one over your guilt and over your shame. He is the victorious one over the world around us. He is sovereign even amidst storms. That just because there is a storm literally going on around us in this pandemic does not mean that God is not sovereign. But He is the God amidst of the storm. He is the God that meets us in the storm. He is the God that walks into our living room, that walks into our room, that walks into our hearts and says, peace. Might you turn to that Jesus this afternoon? Might you surrender to that Jesus and allow Him to speak peace over you, would you hear the word of God that Christ is the victorious one that speaks peace? So if you're here and you're listening and you're watching, just take a moment. If you go, I- I'm struggling with fear. I- I'll be honest, I'm struggling with fear. Remember, I'm preaching this passage because God used this passage to speak into my heart because even in my heart, I'm struggling with moments of fear of the unknown, of the uncertainty. What is going to happen? What is going to happen to my health? What is going to happen to my finances? What is going to happen to your health and your finances? These questions might bring fear, but I trust that I serve a God who created all things, and I serve a God who is sovereign and is good, and I serve a God who laid down His life for me so that He could show me His pierced hands, so that He could speak life into me, so that He could raise me to life, forgive me of my sins, and give me peace. Therefore, I recognize, because Christ has spoken peace into my life, that I recognize that my life is far greater and is, has more important of a purpose than simply this pandemic and what happens to me. But my life is more than what happens here on earth, but my life is far greater because, because remember, anxiety might cause us to lose perspective. Peace causes us to fix our eyes on Jesus. And the truth is, it is only when we lose in that lost perspective do we change and put our perspective back on Christ are we able to then see? Would you look at him? Would you see his pierced hands and feet? And would you allow that peace to overcome? But lastly, as we move to the last verse in this text, as we talk about mission, I want us to see this progress that happens. See, the disciples, or Jesus had been training them to send them out on mission. But because of fear, they were paralyzed Because of fear, they went into isolation. So what does Jesus do? He shows up into their room. He shows up into their life. He speaks peace over them in a way that only he can, that nothing else in this world can, that only he can. But then what does he do? He speaks peace over them for a reason, for a purpose. And he says this in verse 21. Jesus said to them again, 
Peace be with you. Listen to this. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Just as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. In the same way that Christ was sent to us, we are sent to the world around us. Let's ask the question, how was Christ sent? We've got to recognize that Philippians 2 gives a beautiful picture of this. That Christ was in His glory. That Christ was on His throne. Remember, He is King of kings and Lord of lords before the foundation of the world. That He did not just become king after His resurrection. He did it in a unique way. Yes, absolutely, and became victorious over death. But you've got to understand that He is sovereign and He is on His throne from the beginning of time. And so He stepped out of that glory, in Philippians 2 says, and He humbled Himself. He took on the form of a servant. He lived amongst us. He died by our hands. was crucified, was buried, and was raised to life as the victorious one. How was Christ sent? Christ, you might say it this way, was sent from riches to rags. He went from giving life to having His life taken. He loved those who no one else would love. He touched those who no one else would touch. He left comfort and went to Calvary. He gave His life so that others could have life. As we as the church begin to think and continue to talk about how do we respond in this pandemic, one, we must not be stricken by fear. We must be stabilized by the peace of Jesus as He speaks over us. But then we must recognize that Christ brings peace into our life to then mobilize us on mission. He speaks over them and says, Peace be with you now in the same way that I have come to you, the same way that I have stepped out of where I was, my comfort, my glory, and I took on the rags of this world in order to love those that no one else would love, to care for those that no one else would care for. You likewise must go and do that. And so as we as a church begin to think about what that looks like, the reality is, as we respond on mission that there will be moments where we are called to step out and do and love in ways that no one else can. I want to ask this question. This is a question I've been asking as your pastor and leadership has been asking over the last couple of weeks. What does success look like for us in this season? And I mean corporately as a church. Obviously, personally, success would be staying healthy, not only for ourselves, but it's healthy for others. I'm not talking about success in that way. I'm talking about as an organization. As we look back as a church and how the church has responded, how New Hope has responded, how trusting God has responded, what is success for us as a church? For many churches and organizations, as I've had this conversation with many pastors and other leaders, not just of churches, but of other organizations, some Christian, non-Christian and I ask them, what is success for you in this season? What are your goals in this season? I hear a very good goal, and that goal is I, I want to survive. Now, once again, I'm speaking at the organizational level. I'm not, I'm not at all minimizing the reality of life and death through this pandemic. So just keep that in mind. But as we talk about from the organizational level, many pastors are going, we just want to survive this. We want our finances to survive this. We want our people to survive this. Absolutely. We, we want our people to be okay. And listen to me. That is a necessary and great goal. And that is one of our goals as well. We want to be able to survive this season, both financially and health-wise and, and, and emotionally and mentally as we face these obstacles. And we want 
to survive. Absolutely, but listen to me. I, I can't tell you that based off this passage and what's in my heart, that I want to do more than just survive this difficult season. Uh, but I believe that this is an opportunity. Now, once again, this is not something I'm grateful for. I'm not grateful for this pandemic. However, I do believe now that we are here, now that we are in the storm, that we have an opportunity to show the peace that Jesus offers amidst the storm. That we have an opportunity to show the love and the care of the gospel to people. So what is success for us in this season? And the answer is simply this is that success for us is that we don't put our mission on pause. What is our mission? We say it this way at New Hope, that we exist to glorify God and make disciples by engaging our city with the love of Jesus one relationship at a time. When we think about engaging our city, we, we can't engage our city. We're in isolation. And some of us following uh, CDC guidelines and following the advice and the requests by our city authorities, some of us are going to come out of our homes and go and serve in places. Some of you are doing that as essential personnel, but even those that are at home not as essential personnel, well, there's opportunities for us to jump in and feed and to care for those and to volunteer. Some of us are going to leave that isolation, but for the rest of us who may not necessarily be leaving that isolation today in this moment, you go, well, how do I engage my city? Well, this is the beauty of our mission. We engage our city with the love of Jesus one relationship at a time. Is there ever a better time to engage in our relationship? So let me say it concisely this way. Success for new hope in this season is that we engage relationships. We engage relationships. And you can do that from the safety and comfort of your home. Also at New Hope, we specifically say that there are three types of relationships. We call these our marks of maturity. Our marks of maturity are the three things that we say that if these characteristics are evident in your life, then those are signs and evidence of you walking in maturity with Christ. The first is living surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. The second is living surrounded by a community of faith. And third is living sent to the world around you. I want you to notice that all three of those are relational. The first, living surrendered, is your relationship with Christ. Second, living surrounded, is your relationship with your church body and the community of faith that you're a part of. And third, living sent, is your relationship to your neighbor. It's your relationship to others. So, in all three of those areas, might you engage in relationships? I want to take a moment and I want to talk about an illustration that might give a picture of this. Uh, I'm not great at chess. I, I like to play chess. Uh, Param and I have played chess sometimes when we're traveling or doing different things, and I'm not great at chess, but I have been told as I learn chess that when you learn chess to play chess, you become a better chess player if you learn not to use the queen. See, because queen is the is the uh, opportunity, is the person that you're able to move in a lot of different directions. And in inexperienced players like myself, I tend to rely on the queen. I tend to rely on one option in order to try to win. But if you want to become a good chess player, you, essentially you remove the queen and you learn to play with other pieces. Well, as we think about our mission, we have removed one of the most centerpieces of our community and activities in our Sunday worship gathering in person you might say that the queen has been removed. Now, how will we respond? 
And I personally believe that we are positioned as a church and as a community with our mission that I believe we're able to excel even without the queen. Now, don't get me wrong. We want the queen on the table, meaning we want to be able to gather and worship. Absolutely. But I do not believe that we have to put our mission on pause because we're not gathering together. I do not believe we have lost the game because the queen has been removed. But in fact, I believe we're able to leverage the best parts about our church, which are relationships, to be able to win the game, so to speak, to be able to succeed in this season and use all the pieces. And so what are those pieces? Is how are you engaging your relationship with Christ? I want to encourage you to jump in on the one you're reading, to continue in on that. Now, let me tell you the obstacle you're going to face. The obstacle you're going to face is you're no longer commuting to work. You're no longer on the subway or driving or bus, and you have this extra time which should benefit you in being able to spend time with Christ. But I bet you have found this. You've woken up in the morning and you have this extra time. And so you get busy with something and you go, you know what, I have all this free time. I'll spend time with the Lord later. And then lunch comes and you say the same thing. And then dinner comes and you say the same thing. And in fact, you have all this extra time that you end up wasting it. You have all this extra time. You'll say, I'll get to that eventually. And you never get to it. Might I encourage you? Before you work from your home, before you do anything else, would you wake up? Might you turn the coffee on if necessary, get it going? And then would you sit down and would you spend time with the Lord? Would you engage in that relationship? Second, living surrounded. How are you engaging with the community of faith? You can go to our website, newhopeny.org forward slash stay connected. Just go to our website. You'll be able to find it easy. And there's literally an opportunity for you to engage in relationships with people at New Hope on a daily basis. Even for you, trusting God, you may not have the exact same community groups, but you have life groups that you can engage in. And also, Monday through Friday, you can jump on a call with me for a daily devotional and prayer. And so you too have opportunities to engage in relationships. But lastly, I want to focus on how are we living sent in this season when we're not able to leave our home? Well, how can you engage relationships with your neighbors? How can you engage relationships with your coworkers? How can you engage just from the safety of your home? We have technology. You have coworker cell phones. Might you pick up the phone and call them? Ask them, hey, how are you doing? Can I help you? See, one of the silent things, the silent obstacles that all of us are facing in isolation is the mental uh, difficulty that comes with this. And the truth is, is even with my wife and my kids, and even though five of us are in apartments, I still can't help to fight that I feel alone and isolated. Imagine your coworker who may live by themselves or even just have a few roommates. Imagine them fighting that. Imagine a coworker or a friend fighting that without the peace of Jesus. Might you simply call them and just let them know you are not alone? Might you talk to them? Might you encourage them? Might you speak the gospel? How can you in this season engage your relationships? with your neighbors and your coworkers and the community around you? How can you, when you go to the store, might you pick up some food for your neighbors? Just my wife the other day went to the store and she reached out to all of our neighbors and said, hey, I'm going to the store, you need anything? And a few of our neighbors said, yeah, absolutely. Can you get me milk? Can you get me this? And a sweet lady from across the street, Miss Maria, she said, thank you by bringing our kids and bringing us, I probably ate more than our kids, homemade cookies. See, I want you to get this. I am not grateful for this pandemic, not at all. I'm not grateful for the hurt that is bringing on our community and on this world. But even amidst the pandemic, I'm grateful for how 
we as a community are coming together. I'm grateful for how those relationships are being strengthened. And I want to encourage you to not hit pause on the mission, but might you engage. When we gather back together, hopefully, Lord willing, sooner than later, and we're in this room that I'm filming in now that is dark and empty, when we're gathered together, one, we're going to celebrate. We're going to hug, if they say it's safe, and we're going to eat and we're going to hang out. But when we're in that moment and we look back on the season we're currently in, how might we say we were successful? Now get this, successful is not results driven for us. Success is faithfulness. And the question will ultimately come down to, were we faithful to our mission when the odds were against us? When the queen was removed from the chess board, were we successful? And I believe new hope will be. Why? Because we are already a relational people, and just because we cannot gather together does not stop us from engaging in our relationship with Christ, with one another, and with the world around us. Might you engage? You may be asking, and I close with these two illustrations. You might be asking, but pastor, I can't can't do that much. I can't really help all that much. I had an illustration that happened this week that just helped me answer that question for myself because I go, I I can't really help that much. I don't have a lot of resources. I don't have a lot of time. Can I really be all that helpful to the city around us? There's millions of people and all these big organizations going on. Can I really help? Can a small church like New Hope really even help all that much? This week I was on the phone with Brittany and we were just talking with the staff leaders and she was mentioning, hey, I think I have down in the basement just in the kids' supplies, I think we have a few boxes of gloves, maybe just one or two boxes of gloves. Um, if you find them, can we donate them somewhere? I, I know it's not really all that helpful in the large scheme of needing thousands and thousands of gloves, but, but it's what we have. And immediately this thought came to my mind. You're right. One box of gloves and the large mass of gloves needed really isn't all that helpful, except for the one person wearing that glove or the, that pair of gloves or the one person that has that box of gloves. And for the one person that's on the front lines, that is wearing those gloves that we donated, that's everything to that one person. Here's the point. You as an individual and we as a church may not be able to make a massive wrinkle of help in this city. Overall, in the large scheme of help, we can't help all that much. But we have a box of gloves, so to speak. And you have whatever it is. You have what you have. And it may not be much, but to the person who receives your love and care and blessing and resource, it's everything to them. And so might you see that you may not have a lot to offer, but what you have to offer is everything to the person who receives it. So might you engage. Lastly, here's my heart for in general, but my heart in this season. One of my first mission trips to Guatemala, it was my first mission trip to Guatemala. I spent some time working at an orphanage and I was we were doing a construction, and so we didn't spend a lot of time with kids. And if you know me, you know I love kids. But I was a part of a construction team, and we were helping build a new part of their facility. But once the construction was done, we had about 30 minutes before it was time for us to leave and go back to where we were staying. And so I took that 30 minutes, and I uh, engaged in playing with the kids. And there's one particular kid named uh, David who was sick, 
and there had been another team member who had been holding him throughout the day, and that team member had placed him down, and so I was like, oh, here's a great opportunity to love on a sick child, and just a child that needs love, and I just could love on him. So I picked uh, David up, and I was holding David, and I held him for only like 15, 20 minutes, and it was time to go. And so I put him down, and I went to go to the van, and I turned around, and I saw him just sitting there crying. Now, this wasn't a two-year-old, or he was about two and a half, three years old. This wasn't a two or three-year-old just pitching a fit cry. But this was just him quietly with no sound, with tears just rolling down his face. And in that moment, I began to pitch a fit. I began to cry hysterically. Why? Because here's this reality. Is that David was crying not because he had connected with me specifically. He had been hanging out with someone else all day. But he was crying simply because of the reality that he was one child amidst dozens of child, children in that room and in that orphanage with very few workers. And the reality was he was a sick child that was unlikely going to be held the rest of the day. And he was simply crying because he wanted someone to hold him. I, I grabbed him and I held on to him and I just began to weep. Eventually it was time to go. My mom was with me on that trip and my college pastor, and eventually I had to put David down, and I got in the car, and I, I drove the 45 minutes home back to the mission house. I wept, but at the mission house, it was on the side of a mountain overlooking the city of Chamaltenango, and I went on top of the roof by myself, and I just was looking over the city, and I kept playing in my head that if I don't hold David, no one else is going to. In that moment, as I was thinking that, looking over Chamaltenango, the Lord just pressed on my heart, if you don't love this city, no one else is going to. Now, that wasn't a literal truth because there were many on the team that were with me. There are many that are engaged in mission in Chamatanango and Guatemala. But the point was simply this. That God was giving a call to me in that moment. It was a life-changing moment that said, Jonathan, there will be someone. There will be a David, just one person out there that if you choose to pass them by, if you choose not to love them, then maybe no one else will. So in the days to come, as you think about who is that one coworker that's by themselves, that if you don't call them, maybe no one else will. Who's that one person or that one box of gloves or that one bag of food? What is the one thing that you can engage in? You can't change the world by yourself. But as each and every one of us chip in and play our part and love on the Davids out there, to love on the one person that if you don't love them, maybe no one else will. Who is that for you? That is your part in the days to come. Might you engage in that relationship? We, as a church, new hope and trust in God, we will not hit pause on our mission during this season. But even though fear is trying to paralyze us, Christ steps into our hearts today. Every day, he steps into our lives and he speaks peace over the storm that is going on in our heart. But then he does not just leave us in peace, but he gives us that peace and then mobilizes us for mission. Might we engage in the days to come? Would you pray with me? Jesus, we come to you and we thank you that even though we are tempted to be stricken by fear, and some of us even now are still stricken by fear, might we see that peace is not wishful thinking. Peace is not talking hope to ourselves, but it is the King of kings and Lord of lords who has overcome this world speaking peace into us. So right now, Jesus, would you step into the room of every person listening? 
And would you speak peace into their life? Would you speak peace into their hearts? For the Christian right now, as you are even fighting that fear and that anxiety, might you just rest in the peace of Jesus? Just trust in Him and go recognize that you can be wise in the days to come during this pandemic, but ultimately let us not lose focus and put our focus on things of this world, but might we put our focus on Christ. If you're listening to this and you go, you know what, I don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I don't know that I would call myself a Christian. Well, one, thank you for being here and listening. And maybe right now you see the fear of the storm inside your heart. Might you call onto Jesus, turn to Jesus, call onto Him, and allow Him to speak peace and salvation into your life. The reality is, is that this is a pandemic around us and it will affect us. But the truth is, the gospel says that because of sin, that you and I have an internal spiritual disease of death, that Christ is the only one who can offer the cure. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That the eternal peace is only found in Christ and no one and nothing else. And the truth is, is that if you don't know Christ, that there is a greater issue that needs to be dealt with, your own personal sin. Would you turn to Jesus? Would you call upon Him for salvation? And Jesus, right now, would you speak the gospel? Would you awaken hearts? Would you bring salvation into lives? If you want to learn more, I want to encourage you to ask for prayer and reach out to one of the leaders that are on the other side. Or might you just turn to Ephesians chapter 2, And would you right now read Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10? If you don't know where that is in the Bible, just Google it. Or open up to the front of your Bible and just look at the table of contents. Nothing wrong with that. But go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. For those of us that are listening to this, the Christians, the followers of Jesus, might you see that Christ speaks peace in order to mobilize you. So Jesus, we come to you once again and we just pray that you would speak peace into our hearts. Would you mobilize us for mission? Might we engage in the days to come and might we see that our life has a greater purpose than this pandemic. Our life has a greater purpose than the things of this world. This world will come and go. Our health will come and go one day. But we focus in on you and we want our lives to matter more than that. So we engage for your glory not for our own selves. We engage in in order to display the love of Jesus to our city. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can email us at info at newhopeny.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for those outlets is New Hope NYC. Our website is newhopeny.org. If you are in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 164-2 Gothels Avenue in Jamaica, Queens. We're praying for you and we hope to see you soon.